Hey, it's Pastor Tim. Thank you for listening. I pray this message inspires you to live a life engaged in Jesus Christ. Welcome home. So let me tell you something a little bit about Isaac. I'm going to brag on him for just a bit. You don't mind if I brag on your boy, do you? Um, you know, not only is he, you know, helping lead Wyola, uh, praise team. He's coming up with special music. When people don't show up for special music, he steps up. He is what I call a minute man, ready in a minute to serve God. Um, his beloved is homesick today. And he was overwhelmed. They called me yesterday and said, yo, pastor, I don't think we can make it. We're just overwhelmed right now with everything that's going on. I said, okay, well, let's figure out what we're going to do. He called me back and said, it's okay, pastor. We're going to be there. We're going to show up. Um, you know, this is what God needs. And so I, I just appreciate people who will minister with me in the gospel, who will walk with me and partner with me in this great ministry. So I want to give a shout out to Isaac for just everything he's doing. I really appreciate that, man. And of course, to all of Wyola and to Monty and to everybody, um, and to you, let me say right now, happy Sabbath, church. We have come today to praise the Lord, and I hope as you listen to the words of Isaac's song, you felt it, you know? Not that uh, Christianity needs to be a feeling. In fact, many times we mistake feelings for actual movement of the Holy Spirit. But what I want you to know, what I want you to understand and, 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 and come to the reality of, is that God is in this place. His presence is among us. In fact, not only, as you've heard me say on many occasions, is God in this place, but God is in this place. In each and every one of us today who have accepted Jesus Christ, God is in you. His spirit is present. And honestly, it doesn't matter to me if you feel it or not. I just want you to know it, believe it, and accept it. We're going to talk about knowing things without feeling them a little bit today. We are in the uh, second series, uh, second sermon in a series called With Hands Lifted Up is a series on prayer. Hands lifted high. We, um, we're looking at prayer through the life of Elisha. Elisha was the um, hand washer for Elijah, the great and mighty prophet. But he came and he had faith enough to say, God, I would like a double portion of your spirit because I need it. The humility to say, I need everything you can give me. What you gave Elijah, that was great. But I need more. And God took his humble boldness and he gave him what he asked for. We talked about last week, he stands at the river. Elisha is gone. He is by himself. He has the mantle of his calling in his hands and he looks at the river before him because he cannot pass through it. And so he calls out and says, God of Elijah, will you be with me too? Prayer of faith in a time of weakness that so many of us 
have understood. He reaches down and he smacks the water. The waters part. And from then on, God stops being the God of Elijah to him. And God starts being his God. And we talked about how when we go through the trials and we lift up prayers, even though our hearts don't feel it, even though they can't see it, but we lift it up anyway, and we go through the trials and claim our calling, we recognize that God becomes our God too. Can I get an amen? Today we are in the second part of the series. Elijah now has gone several years through um, his journey with God as the prophet. Okay. In fact, he has become one of the uh, head contributors in the land of Israel. Now, this time, Israel is wicked. All of the kings of Israel were wicked. This is after the kingdom split into two. You had uh, the, um, those who rejected David's line going off and becoming Israel, and then those who accepted David's line going off and become Judea. Okay? The tribe of Judea, or the kingdom of Judah, the tribe of the kingdom of Israel. Elisha and Elijah primarily went to Israel, completely wicked, but still God reaching out, trying to reach them, trying to bring them forth out of their wickedness. Every time an enemy would attack, Amram specifically, would attack and set traps for Israel. God would give Elisha a prophet, and Elisha would uh, send a messenger down to the king and say, hey, the kingdom of Amram has set a trap for you here. Go another way. Kingdom of Amram said, trap for you over here, go another way. Don't you love it when God lets us know that we can go another way and don't have to walk through the traps of the enemy? I don't know about you, but that makes me happy. That's a little aside. I'm not charging you for that. <laughs> so Amram, the king of Amram, starts getting a little frustrated. We believe it's Ben-Hadad. Okay? doesn't say for sure, but we believe it's Ben-Hadad. Um, Ben-Hadad goes to his people, calls all of his generals and says, one of you in here is a betrayer, and we're going to find that betrayer and kill him. And they said, well, it's not us. Every time I set a trap for the king of Israel, he gets out of it. He goes another way. Someone is leaking information. It's not us. It is the man of God, Elisha. God tells him, and he relays it to his king. So the man that says, well, you know what? We've got more armies. We've got bigger weapons. We've got faster chariots. We're going to go, and we're going to surround Elisha and take him and Israel will be without its protector and so they march out a whole battalion of troops with soldiers chariots and horses great weapons many men and surround the city that Elisha is in at night morning comes and his prophet Elisha's um, servant is walking out to get his morning cup of postum and and he walks out and he looks out the window, and he turns white. He runs to Elisha's room and says, we are surrounded. We are done. He sees all of the armies. And Elisha smiles. And this is where we pick up the story together. Turn with me in the, your Bibles to the book of 2 Kings, the 6th chapter, and the uh, 14th, and we're going to read to the 23rd verse. Um, how's your turning there? <laughs> my, um, my cousin Mayor tried a brief stint as a photographer. Have I ever told you guys about my cousin? Anyway. First day on the job, he's like, he gets the camera. And this is back in the 80s, you know, before they had digital. Okay, it's, you know, good, clean film 
And he gets out, and he goes out, and he comes out, and then the first person comes up to see him, and he's all, okay, this is how I'm going to shoot it. And the guy says, oh, Maynard, before you shoot us, uh, can I give you a small piece of advice? He's all, bro, I'm the photographer. I give you the advice. You just sit down. I take the pictures. That's what you paid me for. He's all, sure, Maynard, I get it, but I just want one advice. He's all, be quiet and sit down. He's all, okay, Maynard. So he sits down, and he starts clicking. And he goes to this side, and he clicks. And he goes to this. And about an hour later, he gets done and says, all right, then. What was your advice? He's like, I thought you might want to take off the lens cap first. <laughs> see, there are two ways to see something. Uh, seeing something with eyes wide open and seeing something with eyes wide shut. And most of us, unfortunately, go through life and we see life with eyes wide shut. Much like the servant, Gehazi, to Elisha. He looks out, his eyes are wide shut because all he sees are the enemy surrounding them. But Elisha, Elisha saw deeper than what eyes could see. He saw something greater, and that's what we want to talk about today. 2 Kings 14, or 6, 14 to 23. So he sent their horses and chariots and the great army, and they came by night and surrounded the city. When the servants of the man of God rose early in the morning and went out, and behold, an army with horses and chariots was all around the city. And the servants said, Alas, my master, what shall we do? He said, Do not be afraid. For, and this is key, we're going to read this again a little bit later, for those who are with us are more than those are who are with them. Then Elisha prayed, and this is the prayer for, he, Elisha prays three times today, three times for sight. This is the first one. Elisha prays and says, oh Lord, please open his eyes so he may see. Someone say, open my eyes, Lord. So the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. And when the Syrians came down against them, Elisha prayed, second prayer, said to the Lord, please strike the people with blindness. So he struck them with blindness according to the prayer of Elisha. We're going to talk about this prayer. Next one. And Elisha said to him, this is not the way, and this is not the city. Now, some of you reading this might be like, the prophet of God. The holy man just lied to all of the soldiers. I mean, I know he was doing it to save his life, but he's lying. I got news for you. Elisha saw with eyes wide open, and so when he was speaking, he was speaking with eyes wide open. This is not the way. This is not the city. Don't you know that we have a way in the city that are beyond what other people can see? He was letting them know there's something better. I'm going to talk about that. Follow me and I will bring you to the man you seek. And he led them to Samaria. As soon as they entered Samaria, Elisha said, O Lord, open the eyes of this man so that they may see. So the Lord opened their eyes and they saw. And behold, they were in the midst of Samaria. They're in the, surrounded by the, their enemy, the king. As soon as the king of Israel saw them, the king of Israel, the one appointed by God to rule the people, the uh, uh, arbiter of God for Israel, the good and holy man, the king of Israel saw them. He said to Elisha, my father, shall I strike them down? 
Shall I strike them down? The NIV is a little more blatant. It says, shall I kill them? Let me kill them. I want to kill them. He answered and said, you shall not strike them down. For you wouldn't strike down those you have taken captive with your sword and your bow. Set bread and water before them so they may eat and drink according to their master. So he prepared for them a great feast. And when they had eaten and when they had drunk, he sent them off. And they went off to their master. And the Syrians did not again come on raids against the land of Israel. Are you facing problems in your life as far as your eye can see? Has the enemy surrounded your home in seeking to destroy you and all of your territory? Then like Elisha, pray in faith. Ask God for double vision so that you might see what only God sees. Three things to do so that you can learn to pray in double vision today. First, trust that there's more than meets the eye. Second, embrace the blindness. And finally, ask for revolution or revelation over retribution. Ask for revelation over retribution. Father in heaven, we ask that you would speak to us in this moment through your spirit. We ask as your spirit has filled this place that you will speak in mighty ways to our hearts. We thank you for being here with us today. Please once again shut my mouth as you speak through me, I pray in your heavenly name. Amen. First thing we want to do is trust that there's more than meets the eye. I think it's crazy. Elisha doesn't have any physical, visible support. He is uh, in his home city. There's no soldiers there. He looks out upon the land and he sees, or at least Gehazi does, sees soldiers from the enemy as far as the eye can see. Now, they've been there all night. There's been time to get message to the king of Israel in Samaria. The king could come and ride to his rescue, but that's a lot of soldiers. The king doesn't come. Think about that. Elisha is in trouble because he has been giving information to the king. He's been helping the king. He's been trying to give mercy to this king, even though the king is a little wicked. When Elisha is most at his need, the king himself, the one physical man who could bring the most help, doesn't come. But Elisha is unaffected. Elisha is unflapped because Elisha saw with faith what others could not see. Do you ever feel all alone? Like even the ones you've been there for have abandoned you and are gone? In the midst of our trouble, it is so easy to see the power of the enemy. It's tempting to feel alone, especially when no one comes. Have you been there, church? Have you been there, family? You lose a loved one so close to you, and now your home is empty, and you're wondering, where are you, Lord? I feel alone. I know through COVID, a constant thing I got from people was, I feel so alone. Do you want me to come visit? No, Pastor, it's COVID, but I feel alone. Maybe it's your marriage. 
and you've been trying and trying and trying and constantly pouring forth and pouring forth and you seem to get nothing back but coldness. And it seems like the enemy has constantly surrounding your marriage, pressing closer and closer to destroy it. And it, in those moments, in that time, all we can see are the problems before us. The bills piling up, the broken down body, and we gets worse and worse and worse. And we feel abandoned. Have you been there? If you have, and I invite you to pray and claim the words of Elisha. Remember what he said to Gehazi, because what he says to Gehazi, God is saying to you right now, those who are with you are far more than those who are against you. See, if we act only according to what we have seen and can see, we limit what God can do for us and through us. Because we limit what we will accept him doing through us. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what I'm saying? See, when you only put your faith in the things that you can see, Lord, I'll, I'll trust you, but first I need to see you acting in my life in this thing. You know, I'll trust that you'll take care of my bank account if you give me a raise. I'll trust if you'll take care of my marriage if she gives me a kiss. I trust that you'll help me with my kids if they behave. See, when we do these types of things, when we trust only what we can see, we limit the power of God. Don't you know God is the God of the impossible? He works in realms that, 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 that even science can't see. And so when he calls out to you, hey, it's okay. I got this. You can trust that those who are with you are far greater than those who are against you. Can I get an amen? amen? It's when we trust in the unseen that we see the power of God. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, the people were only willing to see their Messiah, their Savior, as a king riding on a white horse with a giant sword. And because he came as a baby, they rejected the baby. Because he came in the manger, they rejected the Savior. So often Jesus will come to us and say, I'm ready, I'm here, let's do this thing. I've got salvation in my hands for you. I've got deliverance from this thing you're going through. And we're like, wait, wait, wait. I'm waiting for a Savior. Hold on. Back in 1949 or so, there came a man by the name of Roger Bannister. Anybody ever hear? Anybody here ever hear of Roger Bannister? Before Roger Bannister, there was a concrete fact that existed since the beginning of time: that man cannot run a mile in under four minutes. It is impossible. Now you heard sis talk up here a couple weeks ago about the miles she's running and everything like that and the marathon miles and those are a little slower. But ever since people started clocking miles, no one had ever run the mile in under four minutes. 
They said it was impossible. They said, some even said, it is so uh, hard on the human body to try that, that you might die if you do it. Roger Baster was an amateur runner, but he was a teacher and a doctor. And he started thinking, he's like, I believe that the only reason people have never done it is because they've never seen it done. And so he came out and said, I'm going to do it. And so he trained and trained and trained. And this is crazy. On, uh, in 1949, Roger Bannister goes out there. And he first goes to the hospital, sees all his patients. And then he goes and shows up in his, like, you know, little running shoes and his, you know, 1949 shorts. And he runs. And he fails. And he said, let's do it again. And so he runs again. And this time, he closes his eyes and says, I'm just going to trust that I can do it. And he runs and he runs and he runs. And when he gets to the end of the finish line, out of breath and heaving, the clock shoots up 3.99. And he breaks the four-minute mile. And people are like, it's amazing. Within a month, somebody had broken this time. Within a year, 150 people had broken this time. Today, over 1,500 people have run the mile in under four minutes. Something that never thought could be done, but they only thought it couldn't be done because they had never seen it done. See, if we believe in what God can do beyond what we can see, we'll see him perform miracles in his life. Those who are with us are greater than those who are against us. Stop limiting your success to what you can see and start giving it to the power of God. Stop saying things like, I can't work with my kids because I don't have patience. Not that you've seen. I can't overcome this addiction. Not that you've seen. I can't live without this job, not that you've seen, but I've got news for you. God's got bigger plans than you can see. God's preparing to do something in your life beyond sight. So trust in the Lord with all your hearts. Lean not into your own understanding. And embrace the double vision that God has for you. Because there's more than meets the eye. Second, embrace the blindness. Embrace the blindness. The soldiers showed up there. And they were fully confident that they were going to take this prophet. This bald-headed prophet. Preacher man. He got nothing on us. They looked to their left and they saw chariots. Now, in the Bible you don't understand the importance of chariots. But if I said they looked to the left and they saw tanks, would that be a little different to you? Because in Bible times, chariots were equivalent to like tanks. They were armored, they were fast, people get around. You know, you have one guy in the back shooting arrows at people, the other guy slashing people, and one guy riding the horses. They'd run over people. It was, chariots were huge. They were expensive. They were technological marvels. Very few people, sometimes only the king would have the chariot. But they had many chariots. They had many horsemen. They had swords and weapons. And they were confident in what was going on. And then Elisha steps forward. Now, Elisha does something fascinating to me. Elisha says, let's pray for blindness. He could have prayed for many other things. See, usually when people in the Bible trust in their vision over uh, anything else, it ends in catastrophe for them. Just ask the prophets of Baal, 
who trusted in their numbers and were struck down by Elijah's sword as fire came down from the sky. Just ask the giant Goliath who looked at the young boy and laughed at him as a stone hit him in the head and he fell down. Just ask Haman who built gallows in his backyard and the only thing that stood in his way was a woman. <laughs> a woman. And within the end of the day, he was hanging on those gallows. Usually people that depend on their own strength end in destruction. But Elisha had something else. Elisha saves them by praying for their blindness. And all of a sudden, they could no longer trust in what they could see. Sometimes we need to cut out the things we can see in order to heal and build in our lives the things we can't. What do you need to be blinded to to receive for you what God wants in your life? Sometimes it's ambition. Sometimes it's the need to always be right. Maybe it's your own strength. Or maybe it's a past betrayal. But what are the things in your life that you need to cut yourself off from, blind yourself to, in order to heal and be able to be who God has called you to be? This week, Sophie was in um, PE class. And they uh, had kids running at each other for a soccer drill or something. And they call Sophie's team and they call the other guy's team. The other guy's team, they had a guy who looked like a linebacker for the Raiders, okay? He's a, he's, he's a sophomore, but he's like, like Chris's size, okay? Huge young man, okay? Massive, terrifying to children, right, Chris? You've gotten this all the time, right? Yeah. And so, so they run together and this guy just runs over my poor little princess. She slams to the ground, hits her head, and concussion. Take her to the doctor, and the doctor says, yeah, she has a concussion. I say, okay, what do we need to do? A couple of uh, aspirin or something like that? And the doctor says the words that every teenager dreads hearing. If the doctor had said, yeah, we need to amputate a finger, Sophie would have been better with it than what the doctor said. The doctor said, for these types of concussions, we need you to cut yourself off from all screen time. And you can see Sophie's eyes watering up. She's like, here's the thing. Your brain can't absorb information the way it's supposed to right now. We made the mistake of sending her to school the next day. Or, no, we. <laughs> My wife is on the mainland. I made the mistake of sending her to school the next day. And, and, and her headache got ten times worse. It's pounding throughout the day because of all the information, all the things that she was processing. The doctor said, you need to stop looking at screens. You can't read. You can't, uh, can't do anything. But sit there. You might be able to listen to music. And so what happens if she doesn't? She's like, if she doesn't, she won't get better. This is what's necessary to heal her. And as I was thinking about what happened with these soldiers, it dawned on me. Elisha gives them a kindness because he prays for them to stop being able to see things. Trust in things with their sight. And now they have to live in blindness. We've seen God do it before, haven't we? Paul driving out to kill the Christians, could only see the hate in front of him, could only see the bitterness in front of him. And what does God do to him? He blinds him so that he can heal from this hatred and get new focus. Once again, brothers and sisters, what are the things in your life that God needs to heal you from? 
or blind you to so that he can heal you from. Sometimes we focus, our focus on them is so great that we cannot see anything else, and it leads to our destruction. I'm reminded of Jesus talking about the two men who prayed at the temple in Luke 18. One prayed by sight, and the other prayed by faith. There's a Pharisee and a tax collector. Tax collectors are hated. They're criminals. They're sinners. Pharisees are the righteous ones. They're higher than pastors, okay? They're like conference presidents. They're so great. And this Pharisee is standing there, and he says, Lord, thank you so much that you did not make me like one of these sinners, okay? Like an adulterer or a liar or a murderer or even this tax collector. See, he's praying by sight. He sees the failings and the fallings of them, and he sees all of the time he spends in the Word and all of the tithe he pays to the church. And he's all, thank you for making me great like this. Now, the other one, the Pharisee, or the tax collector, a tax collector stands there, and he's hearing the prayer. He's like, do things, God. But he lifts up, and he doesn't pray by sight. Because he can't, because he knows that he's fallen. So he prays by faith. And he cries out, God, have mercy on me. A prayer of faith and trust. Mercy is not for those who live by sight. Mercy is those who live by faith. When we stand up and pray by faith, we receive things greater than we can receive from sight. 2 Corinthians 4.18 says this, We fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. If you found yourself blinded to seeing your way and your plans and your desires, praise God, because he just might be leading you to something you've needed deeper than what you wanted. He might be leading you to a healing. Finally, pray for revelation over retribution. As we said earlier, Elisha comes and says, this is not the way. This is not the city you're looking for. He leads the blinded army to his king. Now they are surrounded. And the king's like, what should we do with him? And Elisha says something fascinating. You have to read between the lines, but this is what Elisha says. Let's reveal to them who God is. And when they open their eyes, they realize first that they're surrounded by the people they've come to attack and destroy. But they also realize something else. Before them, seated before them, is a feast. A feast. So they eat and they drink. And they leave there, not leaving the home of an enemy, but leaving the home of a friend. And that's why the word says, and they no longer raided Israel for some time after that. Because they had seen that these people they thought were enemies were actually friends to them. Often people attack us because they can't see Jesus. And sometimes God will give us the upper hand with them so that we can show them who we serve. Elisha could have asked for fire from heaven. He could have asked for she-bears. He could have asked for a lot of things to take care of these enemies. He could have said, Lord, just let them drop dead. 
But instead, Elisha asked for an opportunity to help them see God for who he really is. It is often the hardest thing in the world to pray for blessings for those who are out to hurt you. Have you been there? Someone who does nothing but talk bad about you behind your back. Someone who does nothing but use their influence and their authority to try and bring you down and tear you down. Maybe it's someone who uses every tick of their face and every expression and tone of their voice to attack the safety and the peace of your soul. You know what I'm talking about. And when we look with our eyes, we want to destroy. We want to give back. We want to say, well, they've hurt me. Now it's my turn to hurt them. I'm going to show them what it's all about. But God did not bless us. God did not call us to be his children. God did not give us opportunities to have upper hands over people in order for us to destroy them. For we are called to use everything we've been given from God to show the world what God is like. So Elisha's final prayer was, open their eyes, Lord, so that they might see. When you're focusing on your prayers this week and God brings to mind that person who's been hurting you, who's been after you, who's been attacking you, be easy to pray for their destruction. Lord, you know what they've done. I give them into your hands, just like Elisha gave the teenagers into the hands of the she-bears. Be easy to do that. But I call to you today to be like Elisha with the army instead. And call and pray. Pray for them. Pray for them to have their eyes opened to see God in you. And then, as Elisha did, give them a feast. Because God has given you a feast, hasn't he? He's given you a feast of patience. He's given you a feast of peace in your life. He's given you a feast of kindness and love. And he calls you to share it with them. Now, they might not deserve it, but neither did we. Amen? And when we share this feast with them, we share our kindness, we share our love, we share our grace. We set them free. We let them see God. And we change enemies into brothers and sisters. Matthew 5, 43. And end on this. This is what Christ calls for us. Matthew 5, 43 and 44 says, You have heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies. And how do we love our enemies? We pray for those who persecute us. God has given you a feast. Share it with the hungry enemies in your life today.
Oh, Father. I want to pray for myself. I want to pray for every brother and sister in this room and in the sound of my voice. Help us to see with open hearts. Shut our eyes to our own sight, Lord, and let us see instead with things that just come from you. If there be somebody today, right now, who can't help but see only destruction in their life, Lord, let them look beyond what they can see. Let fill their hearts so that they might see that you have a plan for them today. A plan that is bigger than them and stronger than them and will take them farther than they ever thought they could go. So let them see by faith and not by sight. This is my prayer, Lord. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for allowing us the power of prayer to draw us into your presence and to change our will into yours. Thank you, Lord. We ask all this in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to support this ministry with your time, treasure, or talent, please visit our website at kaneohesda.org. Have a blessed rest of your day.